0: Welcome to the Move Forward podcast with Dr. Kim Moss. We are here to move you forward in the call of God for your life, your career, and your ministry through prophetic insight, practical teaching, and powerful conversations with influential leaders. Never throw away your confidence. It is time to move forward.
1: Well, hey, everybody, welcome back to the Move Forward podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kim Moss. We have been talking in the last few weeks about facing Ziklag, turning crisis into crowns. We've been talking about actually King David and how he faced his Ziklag moment, which was a moment of crisis that came 12 days before the greatest reversal in his life when the promises of God came to pass for him. He couldn't have known it was coming. His people didn't know it was coming. And then at just around that time when he's tired and he needs a rest and he needs recovery and he needs to regroup, the enemy comes and hits him with a low blow, comes back to his home, the place where he rejuvenates, where he can spend time with his family, where it's a place of safety and a haven for him. And he finds that it's all burned and his children and his wives have been taken into captivity to become slaves, sex slaves, all kinds of horrible things. And so how does he respond? What we've learned in the last few weeks is that this can happen to everyone. It does happen to everyone. And that the question is not whether we are going to face a Ziklag, but how will we respond when we do face them? Will we be able to respond in a way that leads other people forward and actually becomes a blessing in our life so that God can do some new things and surprise us and actually bring great reversals? Are we going to walk through them in a way that glorifies God? And are we going to walk through them in faith? And so we've been examining this passage of scripture from 1 Samuel 30 as we also face this global pandemic and the opening up of our nation and all the things that are happening geopolitically and economically around the world. We know that they always come at a bad time and it came for a bit at a bad time for David as well. And Ziklag's we discovered last time. They're designed by the enemy to dismantle our faith in God and unravel our identity at pivotal moments just before breakthrough or great reversal. Imagine what might be coming on the other side of this. Just imagine, if you will, that perhaps God is about to bring the greatest revival and the greatest evangelistic move that history has ever seen. Just imagine that there will be more signs and wonders and miracles in this time and that God is going to surprise us with what he is about to do. I don't want to miss that, do you? I don't want to fall away in my faith and miss what God is about to do. I don't want to miss out on the promises that He has for my life. All of us have been going through this crisis. All of us have grieved, lost something. All of us have watched friends go through difficult times. All of us have been at a loss for words many times. And we've wondered, what do we say in a time like this? I'm telling you, it's time to find courage. It's time to take courage. Things are about to open up. Things are about to look different. And yes, the world is not the way it used to be. We can find courage in these troubled times. So let's go back and let's look at this. Let's go back and read again. 1 Samuel chapter 30 verses 1 to 6. Now, when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negev and against Ziklag, and they had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but they carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. And then David and the people who were with him, that would be the mighty men, raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. Let's go on. And David's two wives had been taken captive, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him, Because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his son and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. We're going to talk about that today. But first, I want to talk about the mighty men. It says the people that were with David. Well, the people that were with David in this time were the mighty men because all the other people had been taken captive by the enemy. And so what happened in that moment? Listen, the mighty men, it says, became bitter in soul. It's important that we understand, as I said last time, that the Holy Spirit is helping write this. And so even the choice of words, and it's interesting right here, it says the mighty men became bitter in soul because it's the same words used in 1 Samuel 22, verse 2. Let me read that to you. And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to David. And he became commander over them. And there were about 400 men. And these are the mighty men. These in later passages of scripture are going to be called the mighty men of valor. These were the ones that were going to do great exploits When David became king, they knew he was the prophesied king. They were standing with him and beside him, and they were going to become his army, his great army, and the captains over his army. And they were going to be known as the mighty men of valor when he became king. But this devastation, it struck not only their heart, but their identity. See, they were mighty men of valor. They were warriors. They were the army of the soon coming prophesied king. They had risked everything to follow David. They had gathered around him in a time when they were discontented with how things were and they wanted things to be different. They were warriors. They were men of honor. And they had started to become and step into their true identity when they gathered around David, his leadership and the things he led them in. And I'm sure the things that he said to them and his faith in God helped them to become who they really were created to be the mighty men of valor, the warriors that would gather around the King of Israel. What happens to a warrior that cannot defend his own family? Who is left helpless before the enemy? It strikes at the very heart of the identity. Listen, these were men and it was stripping them of their manhood, of their fatherhood, of what they knew to be who they were. And they did not hold to their true identity, the mighty men of valor, David's loyal army, his trusted friends. They became again what they were before they had even met David. They became the bitter, discontented, complaining men with a bit of talent. (laughs) You see, in their bitterness... And in their unresolved anger over this, their judgment and their behavior became corrupted. And then they blame and they threaten their friend, their leader, their prophesied king. Oh, I know you've never done that before. Oh, for sure. I've never done that before. Of course I have. We all have. See, listen, the point is that the enemy always wants to come and rob us of our identity. Because if we no longer believe what God has said about us, if we no longer believe that we are who God said we are, then we don't act out of that either. The Bible says that as a man thinks, so he is. What I think about myself, what I have believed about my circumstances, who I know myself to be, it directs often my actions, my activities because my belief system translates into my behavior. You see, sometimes, I just wanna say, sometimes it's easier to be mad than sad because mad sometimes feels like strength, feels like power, but it's not real strength and it's not real power. And often it turns into something darker Often it turns into a response that hurts others, hurts ourselves, and we can fall into a great depression afterwards. Because after we've turned our anger on others, oftentimes we turn our anger on ourselves. And So rather than being sad, they're angry and they become bitter and they turn against their friend. But David's response was different. David responded in a different way. And this is where a great revelation lies. And I know that you have heard this passage of scripture so many times that David encouraged himself in the Lord. What is exactly does that mean? What, what is, how do we interpret that? And how do we, how do we find that kind of courage? Well, let's talk about that a little bit. First of all, in verse 4, it's right here. It says, and David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept till they had no more strength to weep. Listen, this is very important that we understand this. David chose to be authentic, not religious about his present experience. He felt pain. He didn't pretend that because he was the leader, the one that everyone looked to, that he wasn't affected by the losses that he had incurred in his life. No, he counted himself among the people. I love that. He sat down among the people. He sat down as one of the people. He understood that leadership was part of the role, part of the assignment on his life. But it, it was different in this moment that he didn't have to stay in his role. He could sit down like one of the sheep of God, one of the people of God. He could sit in the community as part of the community, not above the community not pretending that he didn't feel what he was feeling. But he sat down among them, not above them, not separate from them, not superior to them. And he felt his feelings in his human experience. Listen, sometimes we get tired. Sometimes we all experience suffering. Suffering. It doesn't matter if we're fathers, mothers, pastors, leaders, president of the United States. It doesn't matter if I if I'm the business leader and I own my own business, if I am the head of an organization. Christians, we we are people. We are people. Listen, I don't know about you, but sometimes I just think there's nothing worse than a plastic Christian that spiritualizes everything. And they can't be honest about pain. And while I don't want pain to drive your bus, meaning I don't want it to cause you to make the decisions of your life. You need to have your feelings. Listen, David wasn't ashamed about his feelings. He wasn't ashamed about the grief that he felt and he grieved his losses and he mourned over his family, but here's the deal. His grief didn't become his identity. It didn't become the driving force in his life. It didn't drive his bus. See when, when an emotion becomes our identity, then all the decisions we make and all the information that we receive, um, it just is filtered. It's filtered by that emotion. And it gets stuck there. See, if worthlessness becomes my identity, link about this. See, if I, if I was treated at one point in my life as though I had no value and I believe that I have no value and so I become worthless, that becomes my identity, worthless, then I never expect anything good. And when someone tries to give me something good, I reject it because I don't deserve it. Even if it's as small as a compliment. Have you ever known anyone who can ever take a compliment? It's usually because they have taken on some form of worthlessness as their identity. This is not what God wants for us. He made us emotional people. And, and God himself experiences emotions. But I don't want you to react out of your emotion. I want you to respond with wisdom. And I'll see David, he, he sat down and he grieved his losses and he mourned the loss of his family. But then he chose to do something else as well. Because, see, there is a time to mourn, and then there's a time to stop mourning and take another action. And so David chose to strengthen or encourage himself in the Lord his God. Verse 6 says, Now David was greatly distressed, but David strengthened himself in his God. He needed strength and encouragement. He needed hope and confidence and courage. He needed to make a decision, a new choice. And that decision, that choice needed to come out of courage. But as this passage of scripture said, it says he chose to strengthen himself in his Lord. You see, he had a personal responsibility here. He had a port, part to play in this. He didn't. He didn't lay down and become the victim. Oh, he'd been victimized, no doubt about that. But he didn't remain the victim. He took up his personal responsibility and his ability to respond and to make another choice. And so he took up his responsibility and he took up his freedom to choose. Just as all his men had the freedom to choose. See, we're all powerful people. We all have a responsibility in our life. What we do with our responsibility is ours to decide. That's what freedom is all about. That we have the freedom to choose. And in times of distress, when we are tempted to react instead of respond, we need to be careful about what we choose. So, In this time, what did David decide that he was going to choose? Well, I can tell you he didn't react out of his emotion, but rather he responded in wisdom. I love what Stephen Covey says here. He says, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space lies our power to choose. In that response lies our growth and freedom. This is very important. See, a reaction, however thoughtless and emotionally driven, is a response that we still have chosen. Isn't that right? To give up our power of choice and not to choose is still also a choice. It's just true. Can't blame it on someone else. It's not the way it happens. We have been given power and freedom. We have been given the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind so that we can choose our responses and receive divine outcomes. It's just true. And so David decides to pick himself up and strengthen himself in his God. James 4 verse 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to God, draw near to you. I'm sorry. James 4 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You see, he understood, David understood that the only one who could affirm his true spiritual identity was God. He knew that he was anointed and appointed by God. He was called according to the prophetic word of promise. He was not an orphan. He was a son of the living God. He was not left alone. His God was still with him, and he knew that his God still had wisdom for him. See, his men chose to revert back to what they once were. They chose out of their emotion to react against their friend. They didn't stop long enough to think something different, have a new thought. So they reverted back to their old ways and their old habits and their negativity, and they gave up their true identity in that moment. But David, see, when he chose to strengthen himself in the Lord, it allowed him to draw on his experience and his relationship with God. He responded to this crisis in the same way he had learned to respond in every circumstance that he faced. By turning to the God he knew intimately by experience. And what was his experience with God? Oh, his experience with God is found in Psalm 3. It says, Oh Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there's no salvation for him in God. Selah means stop and think about that. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. You are my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord. (laughs) And he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again for the lord sustained me i will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around arise o lord save me o my god for you strike all my enemies on the cheek and you break the teeth of the wicked salvation belongs to the lord your blessings be on your people god this the lord is my light and my salvation whom shall i fear oh it's beautiful listen david's god was sovereign David's God was a God of covenant. His promises could not be broken and they would not be revoked. David's God was good. David's God was compassionate. David's God was powerful. David's God was merciful. David's God was gracious. David's God was forgiving. David's God was listening. David's God was speaking. And David's God was for him. I love that. I want you today to remember who your God is. I want you today to remember that He is not worried about this and wondering what He's going to do. I want you to know that He is still working. And David's God, just like our God, it's one and the same God, is sovereign. It means that His rule, His reign, is more powerful than any circumstance or any demonic enemy that we have. We don't need to be afraid. This is where we find courage, by turning to God. I have so much more to say about this, but we are at the end of our episode today. So can I pray with you? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we declare that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We stand under the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and in his name we will not be moved. We say to the enemy, you have no authority over us or our households. We declare the name and the lordship of Jesus Christ over our lives and all that concerns us. And we bind on earth the tactics, schemes, devices, and plans of the enemy to take captive our mind, heart, soul, and spirit. And we violently say no. We silence you in the name of Jesus and we break your power. We overcome by the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony, the testimony of Jesus Christ who lived and died and rose again on our behalf to whom we belong. Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare that you alone are the lifter of our head. You are the healer of our bodies. You are the deliverer of our lives. You are the savior of our souls. We are the head and not the tail. We are the victor and not the victim. We are not defeated, but we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus because he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. Therefore, we will not give in, back down, lie down, shrink back, turn back, roll over, play dead or succumb to the lies and the counterfeits of the enemy in Jesus' name. We will stand our ground. We will step up, move forward, and advance on the enemy's camp. We will bring back the spoils, displacing the works of darkness with the light of Jesus Christ. And Father, we ask right now that you give us the strength and the courage and the stamina we need in this very hour. Fortify our mind, soul, body, and spirit. Give us the eyes to see and ears to hear what your spirit is saying because we've not been given a spirit of fear but of power and love and a sound mind and we will follow you and we will obey all that you command right now lord jesus i ask that you give every listener the peace that surpasses understanding give them the power and the empowerment by your holy spirit to be able to trust in you alone and now rest in that trust Empower them afresh, God. Bring to their remembrance right now all that you have done so that they may stand in the testimony of your goodness and your mercy in this hour. We say, God, together that we worship only you. You are the great and mighty God. We praise your name, Lord Jesus. And we pray these things in the mighty, unmatched name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Will God bless you and see you next week.
0: Thank you for joining us for the Move Forward podcast. We would love for you to rate this podcast and share it with a friend. You can connect with Dr. Kim on social media. For those links and more, visit her website, KimMoss.com. Host Dr. Kim Moss leads Kim Moss Ministries and Women of Our Time. She is the author of Prophetic Community, The Way of the Kingdom, Facing Ziklag, and The Four Questions. You can find those books on Amazon. Remember, never throw away your confidence. It is time to move forward.